And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io or check the show notes for the link to learn more. Now, friends, we have with us today a founder who has already expressed that she is a Taurus. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that that means that she is stubborn and that she is unafraid to persevere and that on her entrepreneurial journey, she has probably dealt with some challenges along the way. And we're here to learn from Alexa Diagostino, CEO of Think Consulting Group. Alexa, thank you so much for taking the time to be with oh, us. Thank today. you for having. Stubborn, definitely. Mm, 100% stubborn. <laughs> I well, I love that. Uh, we're we're gonna explore that just a little bit, but first things first. I'm gonna hop right in, and I'm just gonna say, tell us about your journey. Yeah. Oh my god, goodness, my journey, my journey. Um, my journey started at like age five. <laughs> uh, my family's from Cuba, so when they came to America, they all became entrepreneurs because they couldn't really speak English and they couldn't get jobs back in the seventies. Um, so I grew up with entrepreneurship. So at a young age, I was obsessed with innovation and making money and figuring out how to come up with uh, solutions for problems through, you know, uh, products or services. And so at a very young age, I started uh, working and, and building things. And at seven, I was, you know, ripping computers apart and rebuilding them and then reselling them. And um, I was quite the little dork. Um, and uh Worked in my family's business and, um, you know, my dad was a super smart guy. He was a project manager on the very first microchip ever created IBM. And um, so he would come home and he would say, I have this problem. How would you solve it? And I'm like six, seven, eight years old at the dinner table, helping him solve like billion dollar problems, you know? Um, so I started my first business at 18, had no idea what I was doing. I literally posted an ad on Craigslist, if you remember that creepy site. Um <laughs> Around, by it's the still way, around and it's still, still creepy. Around, it's still creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I basically was like, I have no idea how to make websites, but I'm gonna figure it out. And like, I kind of had an idea, but I'm like, I'm just gonna say $300 and I'll build you a site. And this lady, her name is Valerie Lynch, was my, and I actually still have the photo somewhere. Um, and I actually have it sitting right in my office right now. And, um, she was an artist and she lived in Westchester County. And she was like, I would love for you to make my website. And long story short, her husband ended up being a really big wig in the government ended up getting me a bunch of gigs. Next thing I know, two years later, I have a seven figure company. Um, and it kind of, I mean, I'm 20 years old. I still have no idea what I'm doing. I had 129 employees at one point. Um, and 
in 2013, it's really started 2012, I was doing work for an advertising agency and they basically were like, hey, we do traditional, you do uh, digital, why don't um, we exchange services? So I started exchanging services, but they started to like ask me a lot of questions. So one day, um, and these are all men because advertising is all men, right? So here I am coming in as like a 20 year old pompous look like, you know, know it all. And I'm like, if you're going to keep asking me questions, you either have to start paying me or buy my company. And the CEO was like, that's a good idea. Why don't you give me a number? So I gave him, I threw out this wild number and he goes, all right, come in and pitch me. I was like, uh, okay. Now, mind you, I had three exits prior to this, but much smaller than the number that I gave him. So I'm like, this is life changing. So I go home and I go to my partner. I go, so we're going to Long Island and we are going to be pitching to sell our company tomorrow. She goes, what? Um, and so we ended up creating this PowerPoint. We called ourselves the Doogie and the Professor, um, which was my dad's nickname for us. Um, and my dad has since passed away. Um, so it's an even more meaningful part of the story now. And we walk in and we're like, here's why you should buy our company. And he goes, I know you pointing to me. And he points to my partner and goes, I don't know you. Why am I buying your company? 35 minutes later, we signed a deal and, uh, I sold that company officially in 2014. And, um, and a part of me sold it because I think I was young and it was really stressful having that kind of company, that level of a company at such a young age. And I had no idea. And that was before coaching was really a thing. And um, I had mentors, but um, really just I couldn't handle the stress. So when I had that out, I took it. Now that company is worth over 200 million now. Just, just, uh, just to show it. I did not sell it for 200 million. My, my, my jaw just dropped for the, I know that y'all can't see me uh, unless this is one of the pieces that they have pulled for our video promos, but like my jaw just dropped. <laughs> Um, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right here. Cause I, I do want to take a moment to honor and acknowledge something and it's something related to, to what you just said, but, uh, you are what we would call a serial entrepreneur. Uh, and one of the things that I happen to know about you is that you had actually started 15 companies and exited six by the time you were 30, which is insane by the way, but like in an awesome way. So I'm really, really curious to hear, you know, you mentioned growing up around entrepreneurship. Do you think that's the why behind your love of starting companies? Is it your love of problem solving? Talk to us about your your entre serial entrepreneur origin story. It's definitely how my parents raised me, which is how I'm trying to raise my three-year-old as well. And I'll say to her, I'm like, if there's a problem, there's a what? She's like, a solution, and she's three. Um, and it's funny, I actually had her once come on to my coaching call and tell all my students that, <laughs> um, it's just how I was raised. I was always raised to think about the solution, not the problem. Um, and I think to be honest, like I tried the corporate thing. So when I sold my business, I tried to go into corporate and I ended up going into nonprofit kind of by accident because the president had bought one of my products that I had sold one of my exits, um, because the, the people that bought my company, was their main ERP system. So it kind of happened by accident. And, um, and I tried corporate for six years and I, I'm like, I can't too much red tape and having a boss. I was like, this is awful. Um, and I just couldn't, I would walk into the president's office like, Hey, we have to do this, 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 and this. And they look at me like, uh, you know, like I, I was used to walking in and being able to be like, this is what we have to do. So I think it was partly how I was raised. 
And also definitely, you know, going back to the full comment, like my, my personality is I like to go. Um, I don't like red tape. I don't like being told what to do. Like I'm just, um, but I also like, I mean, yes, it's great. I mean, like, okay. I'm so proud of you, but like as somebody who, who is kind of similarly situated, like I, it's funny. I've had people reach out to me and like offer me jobs through, cause they found me through my work with innovate her. They found, and I'm just like, you don't, you don't want me. I'm unemployable by anybody else other than myself at this point. And it, it's very, very much because of the reasons that you're stating. Like, I think that as entrepreneurs, first by necessity, but then by desire, we just, we have to move quickly. And we don't like working through that, those murky gray areas. Like we make decisions fast, we make them intuitively, or we make them data-driven, but like, we do not, we don't like being held back. And I mean, when you said, I don't like being told what to do, I started to laugh because I'm like, yep, I get that. Ding, ding, ding. None of us like being told what to do. And and, and I, to be perfectly honest, I I think that there's a little bit of ego in being an entrepreneur, like to look at a problem and say, I can uniquely solve this better than anyone else. There has to be a little bit of ego in that, right? Like being, just saying that out loud and believing it and completely changing your life to that, to that goal. Um, so, so I'm really, really interested because I, I feel as though we have some commonalities here, my friend, you and I have some things. Yeah. Um, but talk to us a little bit about that. Like you, you are, I'm just going to tell you, Alexa, I think you're unemployable by the way. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Unemployable. So talk um, to us about the experience of being unemployable. I'm really, really curious to hear what you have there. Yeah, I am definitely unemployable, 125%. Um, And though I was a really good employee at every job I ever had, and I always did very well and always had, you know, rave reviews, but I would be bored in six months. I would be super amped about the job for like six months. And then after six months, I'm like, all right, this is boring. So the best jobs that I had knew that I would get bored and would just shuffle me around to fix problems through the organization. Um, And I think it depends in a a very innovative organization that sees talent and somebody like me who you got to keep busy. Otherwise, I'm totally bored. um, I'm not one to just collect a paycheck. Like I want to make difference. I want to move the organization forward. And if I come in in six months, solve the problem and it's humming, you got to give me another problem to solve. I can't just sit in a really well-oiled machine. And that's what I was really good at. And what I ended up doing throughout my corporate career was becoming basically a fractional CMO coming in and every, literally every corporate job I had, and I had four, um, every single one, three, sorry, three, um, three of them, I came in, I literally had to fire my whole marketing team and rebuild the marketing team from scratch every single time. And then I ended up in my last one actually doing admissions as well, uh, like the the sales side of it. Um, So, I mean, it's kind of cool because it gave me a different perspective of my skill set and what I'm good at. I'm good at building things. I'm good at solving problems. Um, And so I definitely learned something from corporate and I'm glad I did it, but I'm definitely meant to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you said something once again that just really kind of resonated with me. Like you like 
it, well, actually, I'm going to ask the question. We're, we're, we're going to utilize the Socratic method here rather than me just assuming. But um, I feel as though I, I love to start things. I'm not necessarily as strong on like the execution finishing piece. But what I find interesting about you is that, you know, you start companies, but you also scale them and exit them. Do you think that you're unique in your ability to kind of see the the broader picture, the long-term strategy? Talk to us a little bit about that because you you're an expert. You're an expert in scaling businesses and and often with entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs tend to be like really, really good at one part of the journey. Like I'm really great at the start. I'm really great at the finish. I'm really great at the middle. But I feel as though like just looking at your career, you might be good at all of those things. How do you feel about no, that? No, there's things I'm not good at. I'll tell okay. you, I'm not, I not the best leader. I'm not the best leader. And I'll explain why in a second. I'll go back to that. But the reason why I'm good at scaling and exiting, because I'm really good at two things. I'm really good at building revenue. I can make money off of anything. Like I told you, I was like that kid that can find money anywhere, right? Yeah. So I'm really, really good at creating offers, selling those offers and making money. The second reason is I'm really good at hiring people. Not good leader, but I'm good at hiring and finding people and getting them to buy into what we're doing and be committed to what we're doing. And I always hired people who kept our organization super clean. So if you're going to sell, you have to have a clean organization. Your finances have to be clean. You have to have a very clean set of books. So I always knew what I had to do without actually knowing what I had to do. Um, but I would say that my beginning exits, the first four, the fifth one wasn't by accident, but the first four was kind of by accident. The other three stories are very similar to the, the fourth exit I just shared where I just knew the right people because I talk a lot and I kept talking and talking and talking about what I'm doing. And then I'd run into somebody that would say, Oh, I know someone at Cantor Fitzgerald. They own Cantor gaming. They might be interested in your IP. I'm like, Oh, next thing I know I'm flying to Vegas pitching Cantor gaming, which Cantor Fitzgerald is one of the largest financial institutions in the world. Right. And next thing I know they bought my IP, which we had a patent for online gambling and they bought that. And now that patent is worth billions. So um, they, they knew something. That's the first lesson I learned with that one is always keep a little piece of it. So next time, sell like 98%, keep 2% for yourself. So that's a good lesson learned. 2% um, is, that, is your retirement plan, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, at the time, though, I was 20, I think I was 21 or 22. And so at that time, it was a lot of money for me, right? Um, not, not a huge exit whatsoever, but I wasn't exiting a company. I was selling and exiting the patent. Right. So for me, I was like, this is six months of work. This is a great payday for me. Um, you know, as a 21 year old to walk away with a couple million bucks, got free is pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so to answer your question, um, great at finding people, good at getting buy-in from people. Um, and really good at creating revenue, which that's what people, they want a clean company that makes money. That's profitable yeah. and has cash flow. Yep. Well, I, I love all of that. Now, there are a couple little areas that I want to drill down on, but the first one that I want to to drill down onto is that that hiring piece. You said that you're really, really good at hiring. And we talk a lot around Startup Hustle about the fact that surrounding yourself with the right people is one of the most crucial skills that you can pick up as a founder. So talk to us a little bit about your hiring process. What are you looking for? What are some of some of the steps that you might take in order to identify 
not just a person who can do the job, but the person who can do the job the way that you need it to be done and the way that the company needs it to be done for that long-term sustainability and longevity. Talk to us a little bit about that. I started to like kind of giggle a little bit. Um, I know. I saw that smile like twerk up. Yeah, because it's funny because you you probably think I have this like grand hiring plan and I think you're going to be surprised by what my hiring plan is. I, mean, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that you've got like an algorithm for it or anything like that, but clearly. No, it is an algorithm, but it's, it's probably an unpopular one, but it works. It's called right, let's hear it. and you promote fastest. I love that so much. And you are actually not the first founder who has told us something similar. So so just to, just to make sure that we're clear, like that we're on the same page here, like what you're saying is, Maybe you don't need to have a six-month hiring process. What you need to have is like a significant onboarding process and an accountability process built in for new hires. Is that an accurate? Yeah, I mean, yeah. and just to extend that even further, um, you can have somebody that goes through three, four, five-hour-long interviews and does tests. It's easy to fake that. Right. It, you could you could get through interviews very easily and then get somebody else at the end of that interview as an employee. So what I do is I do I personally will jump on for 10 minutes and I ask three questions and I get to know them. And half the time it's not even about their skills. Like I look at their resumes and I know your skills. We'll deal with your skills there. Do you have the right attitude? What it, like, what's your purpose? Do you want to work for us or do you want to just work for anybody? Cause that's a big difference. Right. And have you done your research on us? Like that, those are really, really important. And then from there in 10 minutes, I'm really good at gauging whether or not somebody could be the right fit. I send them to my partners. They do a 30 minute interview. And if we like them, we hire them. That's it. We move it. the process faster because time is of essence. And then what we did is we did exactly what you said. We have a, a whole onboarding process that they do. It's automated. They shadow us for a week. It takes very little of my time. I'm a, I'm a big believer. I'm not going to sit with you and train you for five weeks. No, I'm going to give you a week to understand who we are. We have a whole course. It takes about three, four hours to go through it where we walk through our processes, who we are, who's the team, how we work. And then depending on what your job is, you're good. All right. So if you want to back it to... The last statement. Sure. So <laughs> when it comes to hiring, I'm a big believer. You don't waste a lot of time in that hiring process. You make sure somebody has the right attitude. They have the right skills if they do, and they have the work, the right work ethic, and they want to work for you. I'd rather spend the time in the onboarding piece. And we've even automated that so that it, is it still going on? Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Um, All right, I, so now, now we now you need to say it again. <laughs> no, no, I was like, I was looking at you, and I was like, uh, no, 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 just keep, just keep on going. Okay. All right, should I go all the way back? Go, go back to the yeah, go back to the last sentence that we said before the break because we need one continuous take yeah, of it. Good. All right, I'm on it. Um, so I'm, I'm a big believer in a very quick hiring process. I will literally jump on the phone with them for 10 minutes, ask them a couple questions, make sure that they're the right personality fit, that they work hard, that they want to work for us and that they have the right skills. That's it. And then once I get that, I ship them off to my partners. We do a 30 minute meeting and if my partners like them, we hire them. And then we spend the majority of the time in the onboarding process. But I also don't believe in having a long onboarding process either. 
you can tell within the first week or two if somebody's the right fit. Why would you spend weeks training somebody to then find out once they start doing the job that they're not the right person? I'd rather throw them in the fire right from the beginning. We have a two, it's a three to four hour course. They take the course, it learns how we work, who we are, what our systems are. And then I even have it broken out for writers and content creators and or if they're coaches, depending on what part of the business. And it gives you them an overview of what their job is. If they're a writer, they know how to write. Throw them in the fire, see how they do, right? Um, and within the first week or two, we're pretty good at understanding if someone's the right fit or not. And it takes very little off me um, to train them. I'm not a big believer in doing three, four, five weeks worth of training. Um, they just shadow us and we throw them in the fire. Yeah. Well, I love that, that baptism by fire thing. It's so useful. Um, but, but one of the things that you said that really struck me as well, you know, a lot of conditions have to be, have to work in order for a company to scale successfully. And I think one of the things that, that you had kind of acknowledged was that networking piece. So, you know, you, you said that, Yes, we had a great product and yes, we had like, we were doing all of these really amazing things. But at the same time, like a part of the reason why your companies were attractive was because you knew the right people. You had the right market of people who would be interested in buying your company. So talk to us a little bit about that. How are you building and maintaining your networks? And, and I understand that maybe some of this wasn't super intentional on the front end, but with hindsight being 2020, talk to us about what that network building piece looked like. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was, um, there's a couple pieces. This first is those silly little 30 under 30, 40 under 40 awards. It's not about the award. People think, oh, it's about the award. No, it's not. It's about the other people that are in it. So to be honest, the beginning of my career, I've met some of the biggest mentors and some of my biggest clients in those groups, right? So that's the first piece. Um, the second piece is obviously masterminds, but you have to get to the right mastermind. Um, and then the third piece is once you get to a certain level, it's creating your own community. So for example, I have an event going on in my house in a couple of weeks. I have 50 really high level seven, eight, and I have two nine figure people coming to my house and it's a mastermind where we're just going to sit around and we're going to talk about how to build wealth together. And what's great is we're all successful. We're all at different levels and we're all going to be able to help each other with one thing or the other. And that's where the magic happens. The last time we did this, I did this at a billionaire's house. He has a $35 million house. And we did this huge mastermind. We had 55 people there. There were seven companies that were created out of that one three-day mastermind. One of Shut which- the front door. That's huge. No, one of which is now <laughs> worth over eight figures. So- you know, it, it's, it's how, it's how you have to do it and jumping on trends. You know, I'm in a business right now. We scaled it from zero to 30 million since January one, basically. Um, and we were able to do that because of the people that are in that group. And I met those people in that group through networking. Yeah. It's, it's the best way that you could do it. Well, and I, I, I love that part of your story, friends. I, I think that, it's no secret that I'm a huge proponent of networking and, and, and really not so much networking. It's all about surrounding yourself with people who are invested in your success. Now, I want to tell you, FullScale does that. Finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit FullScale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the FullScale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit FullScale.io or check 
the show notes for a link to learn more. Now, friends, we are here with Alexa D'Agostino, who the the CEO and founder of Think Consulting Group. And Alexa, I got to tell you, my friend, I have, I've been wanting to ask you about this the entire time. And I, you're very proud I'm of me. Nervous. I, you didn't know that you were proud of me because I really wanted to jump right into it, but I didn't. I managed I'm to, to get there. Can you say that again? Alexa, you don't know this, but I have been waiting to ask you this question for quite some time because I'm so fascinated. Oh, so boy. Our producers, they give us something called a set list, and it has like information about the company and about the founders and things like that. And one of the things that I found just fascinating was talk to us about marketing by modification. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's like my alter ego. So... Um... <laughs> So it's actually funny. So I didn't even realize this was my philosophy that I've used my whole career until one day. So after I sold my business, I, I told you I went to corporate. Um, and after about five, six years in corporate, I was like, I'm done. So my wife and I are walking on the street and I'm like, what should be the name of my, my next company? And she goes, well, tell me a little bit about your process. So I said, well, I basically just... Am I allowed to curse on it? I basically, I basically just fuck up a lot and fix it. Like, I don't care. I just go fast. I go with speed and I make a lot of like mistakes and I just fix it and learn from it. And I keep going and going. And I kind of take that approach from a marketing perspective. Like I don't, I don't do the whole three to six months branding bullshit. I just sit there and go out with something, get responses and, and get results and then tweak it and modify based on the results. And she goes, so it's like marketing by modification. And I was like, ah, oh, that is awesome. So I ended up actually trademarking marketing by modification and then um, the theory of modification. Um, and that's actually what my entire TED talk was about. I talked about how my whole life, not just with marketing, my whole life, I have um, basically modified my whole life and gone against what society said. And, and the key thing is, I don't care what people think and I don't care if it's wrong. I'm just going to do what I feel. My gut is right. And if it's wrong, I adjust it. And that's it. I love that so much. And I, I, I swear I, I'm fangirling a little bit. Don't get me wrong, but this is not coming from a fangirl place, but like, I, I feel very, uh, you're helping me to feel more confident because apparently you and I make decisions in very similar ways. Like there's a balance between intuition and data, but the point is you make the fucking decision and then you get off of it and you like, and you move on to the next thing. Like it's, it's one That's, of my favorite parts about being an entrepreneur. <laughs> but I will tell you, it's also one of the reasons why I could sometimes be flagged as a bad leader. So I'll give you an example this That's morning. Great. My team came to me and they're like, we think we should do this strategy. And I listened, but I very quickly knew it was the wrong strategy. And I'm, I hate wasting time. Like I, I want them to feel empowered, but like, I'm not going to spend 45 minutes you explaining a strategy that in minute three, I knew was wrong. So I gave them like five minutes, let them explain it. And then I interrupted them. I go, I appreciate your strategy, but that's not the direction we're going to go. This is what we're going to do. And they kept going, but, but I'm like, nope. I'm telling you right now, we're not going to continue this conversation. Like that strategy is wrong and we don't have time to, to waste right now. This is the strategy. Like until you build an eight figure company, then you can come back to me and tell me the strategy works. I'm like, I've done this strategy before. I know it works. And this is the way we're yeah. going to go. So sometimes like I have to make the quick decision 
And sometimes it does make me a bad, not, I, I don't want to say a bad leader. It's just sometimes like we're in the entrepreneurial world. We're not in a corporate world. Corporate world, you can bring people along for the ride a little bit more. In entrepreneurial world, an hour is a, a month, right. <laughs> you know? You don't have time to fucking waste. Well, and that's been, so like, that's, that's a piece of feedback that I've gotten before. Like the, the exact phraseology of it is you're not good at bringing people along with you. And it's like, well, because in my day to day, I am the only person doing this. So not only is there nobody else to bring along with me, like there are interested parties, but I'm the only one who's in it like actually doing the fucking thing every day, you know? And so, but, but that also gives me insight that others don't have. And so I'm, I'm coming from a place of expertise when I say no, it's not because I like saying no, it's because I am using my lived experience and my deep enmeshment within my organization. I am the only person who has the knowledge that I have. I am the only person who can knowledgeably say, yep, that's going to work or no, that's not going to work. And so, so it's interesting because you have to walk that line. You know, you want your teams to have autonomy and agency and ownership, but at the same time, like it's still your baby, you know, it's, st it's still your company. So, so talk to us a little bit more about how you, you manage that divide. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I, I am a big fan. So for instance, we own equity in a lot of companies. We have our main coaching and agency done with you, done for you service. And I have over 50 employees full time. Um, and many of them have equity in the company. Um, not, not large parts, but like one, two, 3%. Some have five, 10, but um, I own the majority. But, and the reason why I give them equity is because it's not about selling our agency, which we very much could, right? Um, but yeah, great. We sell our agency for a hundred million, which is what our target is. That's great. But that's not life-changing money, which life-changing is the fact that we own equity in a company that most likely we're aiming right now for a four to $5 billion exit. And it's going to happen in the next 24 months. That is life-changing money. So I give them that picture of, Hey, I know it's hard now. And I know we're grinding now, but look at what is in the future. And it's not just one company. We own equity in a ton of companies and have a lot of opportunities here for something to hit for us to all never have to work again, which I would always work anyway. But um, and I think that's really the, the thing it's, I bring them along in a different way. I think. I, I, I like that. I, I very much respect that. So, so talk to us about, I, I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to ask you to give away the farm. I'm not going to ask you to give away your secrets, but what I am going to ask is. I give it all away. <laughs> Tell me. I mean, I, I appreciate that, but I also believe in paying women for their labor. So <laughs> But that being said, I'm going to ask you, what are some, not, not all of our lis listeners are going to be able to go out and start and exit multiple companies. A lot of them, they have a different path than you, but there are some commonalities. And so I'm going to ask you, what is some advice that you would give the entrepreneur out there looking to, looking to scale? They have the great idea. Maybe they've got their product and market. They've got some traction and some customers, but they're really looking to take their organization to the next heights. What is some, some advice that you would give them? So here's my advice. Look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself the fucking truth. Do you have the personality? You can have all the ideas in the world, but if you can't execute it and you don't have the work ethic to do it, you're never going to get there. People, I, I talk to so many people that have ideas, 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 and they can't do anything with them. 
because they don't have the right skill set. So you have two choices. You either A, go ahead and um, put somebody as a partner that has what you don't have, or B, you go be an entrepreneur and go work for somebody else that has that. And so a perfect example is my COO. She was um, one of my students. I helped her triple her business, but then she couldn't get past that. I mean, she, she was making about 225 by the time she was done doing very, very well. But she was like, I want, I want millions. I want what you have. So I said to her, I go, be honest with yourself. Are you really an entrepreneur or are you an entrepreneur? Because you always question yourself. You kind of get lazy a little bit sometimes and you you don't like to make decisions that was her biggest weakness and part of her laziness wasn't because she's personally lazy it was because she had like decision paralysis analysis paralysis and i have to tell you like i know that everybody can get analysis paralysis but i do think that it's particularly insidious and noticeable in women Uh, Or you really folks who have been historically marginalized, people who are not expected to be the archetype of success. So I totally get that. Like it's, it's not laziness per se. It is hesitation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Laziness is probably the wrong word to use because she's not lazy, but she, it appeared she was, but it was really because she just couldn't make decision. She needed somebody above her because she's a great entrepreneur, but she's a better intrapreneur. And right. so now she, and I always ask people, would you rather own a company a hundred percent? That's a hundred thousand dollars. Or would you rather own 10% of a hundred million dollar company? Right. And it just depends how far you want to go. And there's, I know I am not the CEO of a billion dollar corporation. I know that in my personality. Right. And that's okay. I'm a good CMO of a billion dollar company. I'm a good CMO, even of a a multi nine figure company. I may not be a nine figure CEO. I'm a seven and an eight figure CEO. Why don't I? Because I'm good at making revenue, but then I get bored. What I tell you, I get bored. And so I want to go to the next thing. So I'm good at building and scaling something, exiting and becoming the CMO and letting somebody else run with it. Yeah. You got to, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and know what you are and aren't good at. And sometimes people lie to themselves. Well, I mean, it, it feels like maybe this, this journey started when you were younger, you know, you were surrounded by entrepreneurs. Clearly you had a strong relationship with your father. Um, you know, so you, you had people to kind of help you along the way, but for our founders listening at home who maybe they don't have, didn't have that start in life. How did you become so self-aware? Cause I think that that's really what we're getting back to. Like it, one of the things that we talk about here in Kansas city is, is the fact that we are, nice, but we're not always kind. And being nice means that you tell people what you want them to hear or what they want to hear. Being kind means that you tell people what they need to hear. And it sounds like that's something that you're pretty comfortable doing, but not everybody is. So how do you bridge that gap between niceness and kindness to help people achieve long-term success? I've always just said how it is um, my whole life. And a part of that is because that was my mother, my, or is my mother. My mother is a, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm just going to tell you how it is. Even if it hurts, I'm going to tell you anyway. And I'm the same way. I don't sugarcoat things. It is what it is. You could hate me. You could love me. I literally have a little um, sign somewhere in my drawers here and it says, just love me. (laughs) Um, And that it's just been how I always am. You have to be. 
because what happens is if you if you don't if you sugarcoat things or you don't say the truth or or how you really feel it's going to be bottled up in you one two that's when people take advantage of you and that's when entrepreneurs fail because oh they feel bad that they don't like the website okay well if you don't say something then you're going to be stuck with the website and then i've seen so many people not use things that they've paid for i have people come to me and say hey can you fix this i said oh well did you get your money back no why didn't you ask them to fix it? I just paid it. Well, now you're now you're paying two people to do the same job. You're wasting your own money. This is why entrepreneurs fail. Just come out and say it. Yeah. Well, and, and I have to ask because one of the struggles that I have, like I, I came up in male-dominated industries. I spent a lot of my early career in aerospace, IT, and automotive. And our listeners know that. That's and like, cool. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart as a woman, because I think like, it sounds like a male dominated, uh, oh, in particular, the, the automotive industry was insane. Like the amount of code switching that I had to do in order to survive was like, was crazy. And I, I would not recommend it to any woman, like just avoid. Uh, but <laughs> that being said, like one of the things that you get really, really good at is, is softening yourself or trying to make yourself more palatable in these environments. And I've reached a point in my career now where I'm like, fuck that. Fuck it. I don't want it anymore. I want to be able to exist in a space where I can be my authentic self, where I can, where my conception of womanhood is the only thing that matters and nobody else's conception of womanhood matters. And I love that about my life, but not everybody is in this position. Like, did you find that your demeanor um, and, and I, I ask this in the kindest way possible with the understanding that I am also sometimes viewed as an asshole uh, yep. because of my style of delivery. <laughs> but do you think that that has created barriers or do you think that that has created challenges for you in your career showing up as you show up? Absolutely. But I'm self-aware. So like on our team call this week, I go, guys, I know I'm an asshole but I just want things done right. Like put them in the right folders. Like I, and I know I can be an ass sometimes, but like, it's just because we don't have time for me to be going. You don't want me spending my time spending an hour trying to find something in these folders. Like, you know, and so I just come out and say it. So at least I'm honest. I'm an asshole. Um, So I think that kind of, I do actually think that that goes a long way. I used to have a sign that I I would show people. I'm sorry for what I said while I was busy. Cause usually when, like when I would get snippy or snappy, it would usually be like, we're setting up for an event or something like that. And I have like a million things on my mind and somebody would come up and ask me about something unrelated. And I would just kind of look at them like they're the dumbest fucking person. Like, why are you talking to me about this right now? And I always had to apologize because I'm like, I know that that was an asshole move. I swear. I know it was, but it was also very in the moment. Please forgive me. <laughs> I swear no, I'm not an asshole all the time. <laughs> but I mean, also too, like, I mean, I've had people, I have people on my team that have been with me for 15 years. Yeah. So I'm oh, doing something right. Like, it's not like I have people quitting. I, I fire a hell of more people. I've probably fired 99% of the people that leave. There's very, I had one person quit and she was from the UK and she was just, she wanted me to give her a raise after two months. And I'm like, dude, like, no, your, your work is subpar and you've been here for like a couple months. I'm like, get out of here. And she didn't like that. And then she went and bashed me and said I, I was an awful person. And I'm like, that's fine. Um, but you know, other than her, I mean, we, we, for the most part do keep people because I give them the longer vision, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Like I might, I might need a, I might need a candy bar like right now because I'm hungry and I'm snappy. But the fact is, I am also the kind of leader that you can learn from, and I'm creating the kind of environment that you want to be a part of, and you will learn a lot from, right? Like, you want me to change your or do you want me to be fucking nice? Which one? Yeah. <laughs> You can, you can, you can choose one. I, I love that. I almost feel like I'm going to start presenting that as a choice. Like you can have me mostly a nice person, but occasionally an asshole, but you know, a good leader or a good, a good business owner. And you can come along for the ride or you can have me nice and sweet. And we've all failed. Like, this is not how this works. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I, I'm not always an asshole. I would say, no, like, no, I wouldn't say that. 7% of the time I could be an asshole. I just hate stupid fucking shit. Well, and honestly, like, I almost feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice by saying, like, asshole. Because the fact is, like, if we were to exhibit a lot of these behaviors, if we were dudes, it would just be like, oh, you know, he's just, That's he's just, he's, oh, yeah. it's just angry. he's not, <laughs> I'm not actually being an asshole. I'm just not couching every single thing that I say in compliments and big ass smiles like i'm just being very direct and to the point and that doesn't tend to be taken well from from ladies because we're supposed to be the nice ones who care about everybody's feelings above all else and i'm like no i actually care about my company above all else but then i absolutely care about you and want you to be to succeed and this is how we're going to do it <laughs> right <Exactly>. yeah <laughs> yeah well i i love that so I am, we, we have come up, we're kind of toward the end here and I'm, I'm about to ask you the human question and, and I really don't have a, a great one, but this is the one that struck me as I was scrolling through and I found it interesting and it's, what is your favorite smell? <sighs> My favorite smell, um, definitely food. I mean, there's a number of different food, but like, I love the smell of like, pizza. Ooh. Yeah. I really love the smell of bread baking and I don't even necessarily like, I don't eat that much bread or anything, but I love the smell of it baking like that yeasty. Yeah. But have you ever gone like a pie of pizza and just smell yeah. it? It's oh yeah. Like, uh, and then you open it and it's like, ah. It's amazing. So we have one of those, or we have a few of them, but we have like one of those dining halls where like restaurants open up little kind of kiosks in one big place. And it's really fun to go to, but whenever we walk in, uh, the one that I go to is called Parlor and there's a pizza company in there. And like it, the smell of it just envelops the whole thing. You can't even smell anything else that anybody's making, but you walk in and it's like, yeah, ah. it's just so great. And then the second one is a baby smell, uh, like baby powdery like baby new baby smell not the poopy smell but yeah <laughs> but like nobody, baby... nobody likes that smell but like when you're holding the baby do you like oh sniff my god the baby's head you're like i love it See, i'm a softy i'm not an asshole no no you're just someone who gets shit done and i love that about you yeah. all right well i i gotta tell you thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today alexa i i'm so appreciative for of you sharing your wisdom and your expertise and this was a lot of fun thank you for having me absolutely and friends you know what else is a lot of fun it's when you are fully supported and you have everything that you need to start your tech product start building your tech product if you need to hire software engineers testers or leaders full scale can help 
They have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Fullscale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. You can also check the show notes for a link. One more thing, friends, I don't know if you heard, but we recently did a series not too, too long ago about the power of dot, dot, dot. Each of the Startup Puzzle co-hosts got to pull an episode. I personally did the power of choice, which was a super fun conversation that we had with Tammy Buckner of We Code KC. Uh, but definitely keep an eye out for those episodes. We're talking about the power of technology, the power of the things that empower you to build better businesses. How do we talk about those things? So check out the Power of series on Startup Hustle. And friends, we are extraordinarily grateful that you come back to us week after week after week. We recently had 5 million downloads, which kind of freaks me out a little bit, but it's all because of listeners like you. We invite you to keep coming back. We do this all for you, and we want to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much, and we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.